to today's edition of Evangelination, Evangelizing the Nation for the Best and Brightest Future of Our Country, Our World, and Our Eternal Souls. And what could be more important than that? Today's topic is Saint Joseph, the beloved foster father of Jesus Christ. And um, there are many uh, titles of Saint Joseph. There is a litany of Saint Joseph and um, you can look that up online. There's some wonderful um, titles, great uh, uh, pieces of uh, uh, material for reflection and meditation about who this mysterious figure is in salvation history. Now um, I have with me today uh, a book written by Father Don Calloway of the Missionary Associates of the Immaculate Conception. And it's called Consecration to St. Joseph, the Wonders of Our Spiritual Father. And so I'd like to share with you today, uh, Wonder Number Six, and it's titled Savior of the Savior. And um, so I'm going to be reading excerpts from this beautiful book about uh, consecration to St. Joseph today. So let's begin. Um, first, he introduces this uh, saint called, well, he's a blessed, Blessed William Joseph Chaminade. I don't know too much about this uh, uh, blessed, but I'm learning a little more from this book. So Blessed William Joseph Chaminade ha said this about Joseph, quote, to give life to someone is the greatest of all gifts. To save a life is the next. Who gave life to Jesus? Well, it was Mary. Who saved his life? It was Joseph. Ask St. Paul who persecuted him. St. Peter who denied him. Ask all the saints who put him to death. But if we ask who saved his life? Be silent, patriarchs, be silent, prophets, be silent, apostles, confessors, and martyrs. Let St. Joseph speak, for this honor is his alone. He alone is the Savior of the Savior. Wow, Savior of the Savior. That sounds kind of heretical, doesn't it? Uh, Father Donald Calloway writes. But don't worry, Blessed William Joseph Chaminade is not claiming that St. Joseph is God or greater than Jesus. Blessed William Joseph was a very holy priest and had a tremendous devotion to St. Joseph. He lived through the French Revolution and suffered many hardships during a very anti-Catholic era of France's history. So Blessed Chaminade's love for Jesus, Mary, and Joseph gave him the strength to resist the evil intentions of the revolutionaries. So at the height of the French Revolution, Blessed Chaminade spread devotion to Mary and preached fervently about St. Joseph. He encouraged his religious confreres to act as the heel of Mary and crush the darkness of the revolution. He knew the power of St. Joseph as well and encouraged everyone to seek refuge beneath the fatherly protection of St. Joseph. Blessed Shamanad said, make him, 
St. Joseph, responsible for the protection of your person, he who saved the life of his Savior. To understand and justify Blessed Shamanon's description of St. Joseph as the Savior of his Savior, we turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Quote, When they had departed from Bethlehem, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. That's Matthew 2, 13 and 14. So St. Joseph can be called the Savior of the Savior because he saved Jesus from the wicked intentions of Herod by taking Jesus to Egypt. St. Joseph is the only saint who has the privilege of being called the Savior of the Savior. Not even the Mother of God has such a title. God wanted St. Joseph to have the unique title all to himself. It is a title that shows the greatness of the fatherhood of St. Joseph. It teaches us his important paternal role in the plan of God. Pope Pius XI said, To him, St. Joseph, was entrusted the divine child when Herod loosed his assassins against him. Now, Blessed Shamanon is not the only one who called St. Joseph the Savior of the Savior. St. Madeline Sophie Barat made a similar statement. She wrote, and I quote, Jesus wished to become indebted to St. Joseph for the necessities of his life. And of this holy patriarch alone, it may be said that he saved the life of his Savior. St. Alphonsus Liguori, a doctor of the church, went so far as to claim that because St. Joseph saved the Savior from Herod, Jesus will not refuse anything to those who go to St. Joseph for assistance. St. Alphonsus writes, quote, the Apostle Paul writes that in the next life, Jesus Christ, quote, will render to every man according to his works. That's Romans 2, 6. What great glory must we not suppose that he bestowed upon St. Joseph, who served and loved him so much while he lived on earth? At the last day, our Savior will say to the elect, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was a stranger and you took me in, naked and you clothed me. Matthew 25, 35. These, nevertheless, have fed Jesus Christ, have lodged him or clothed him only in the persons of the poor. But St. Joseph procured food, a dwelling, and clothes for Jesus Christ in his own person. Moreover, our Lord has promised a reward to him who gives a cup of water to the poor in his name. For whosoever shall give to a, give you to drink a cup of water in my name, he shall not lose his reward. That's Mark 9.40. What then must be the reward of St. Joseph? Who can say to Jesus Christ, I not only provided thee with food, with a dwelling and with clothes, but I saved thee from death, delivering thee from the hands of Herod. All this helps to increase our confidence in St. Joseph. It makes us reflect that on account of so many merits, God will refuse no grace which St. Joseph asks of him for his devout clients. Wow, what confidence we should have in St. Joseph. Uh, Father Don Calloway continues to write, Ultimately, St. Joseph saved Jesus' life so that Jesus could save us. 
For his part, Jesus is extremely grateful to St. Joseph for all that he suffered to make the saving mission of our Lord possible. Joseph suffered exile, poverty, hardship, fatigue, ridicule, and so many other hardships. St. Joseph suffered so much for Jesus. Without the sufferings of St. Joseph, we would not have the Savior to set us free from sin and death. This is why Jesus grants every desire and wish of his beloved virginal father. The sufferings of St. Joseph are rarely mentioned in homilies or writings on St. Joseph, yet if you think about it, being the father of the Savior could not have been easy. St. Joseph's fatherly mission entailed tremendous suffering. St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi wrote, How great a share had not the glorious St. Joseph in the chalice of Jesus' passion by the services which he rendered to his sacred humanity. St. Joseph's suffering began before our Lord was even born. When St. Joseph discovered that his beloved wife was pregnant, his heart, mind, and soul experienced excruciating sorrow. His sorrow did not come from suspecting Mary had been unfaithful. He never doubted Mary's love, fidelity, and holiness. Rather, his suffering came from knowing that he was not worthy to be the husband of so holy a woman, nor did he consider himself worthy to be the father of a heavenly child. He realized that Mary belonged totally to God, and out of justice, he needed to give God his due by distancing himself from Mary. The thought of distancing himself from Mary caused more sorrow in his heart than any martyr could have ever experienced. Unlike the suffering of the martyrs who shed their blood for love of Christ, St. Joseph's suffering was interior and of such intensity that it is more meritorious than the suffering of all Christian martyrs. Preparing to distance himself from Mary, the delight of his heart, caused him such deep sorrow that God had to send an angel to comfort and instruct him not to be afraid to take her into his home. Abraham was made the father of a multitude of nations because of his willingness to sacrifice his son. Saint Joseph was made the father of the new covenant people because of his willingness to distance himself from his own beloved wife. And I would add later, um, you know, sacrifice his son. St. Joseph's suffering continued for the remainder of his married life. When he traveled with his pregnant wife to Bethlehem for the census, he suffered greatly from not being able to provide a suitable place for his wife to give birth. What man wants his wife to give birth in a cold, dirty, and smelly animal stable? Yet a stable was all that St. Joseph could provide. Men by nature are providers. If a man is unable to provide as much or as well for the ones he loves as he wishes, he dies inside. St. Joseph surely died that day. St. Joseph experienced sorrow when his son was circumcised. When he and his wife saw the blood coming from their son's body, they knew it was a foreshadowing of things to come. When and by what method, they did not know, but they were so attuned to divine mysteries and Old Testament prophecies that they knew there was more bloodshed to come. It would be confirmed when Jesus, Mary, and Joseph appeared before the priest at the temple in Jerusalem for the ritual of the purification of a new mother. 
on what was supposed to be a joyful occasion, St. Joseph learned that his wife's heart would be pierced, and his son was destined to be a sign of contradiction. We read in Luke chapter 2, verses 33, 34, and 35, the following. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary's mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That's Luke 2, 33-35. Simeon's words were spoken to Mary, but St. Joseph heard them. When St. Joseph heard Simeon announce to Mary that Jesus would be a cause of division and that Mary's heart would be pierced by a sword, the prophetic words penetrated the loving heart of St. Joseph, causing him unspeakable sorrow. It was a sorrow that he would carry in his heart and soul for the rest of his life. What man wants to hear that his wife and child are going to suffer ridicule and hatred? What husband would not experience tortures of the heart, knowing that his wife is going to be pierced by a sword? Scripture tells us that Mary pondered the words of Simeon in her heart. Let's uh, see Luke chapter 2, verse 19. St. Joseph had to have pondered Simeon's words in his heart as well. No man could walk away undisturbed after hearing such shocking statements about his wife and son. The hearts of a husband and wife are one. What is of concern to one is of concern to the other. For decades, St. Joseph carried the sorrowful prophecy of Simeon in his heart. And because his love is great, St. Joseph's suffering was interior, intense, and long-lasting. Here's another saint, Blessed Bartolo Longo. He's blessed, not a saint, but he's on his way to saint, saint, sainthood. Blessed Bartolo Longo said, O most sensitive heart of Saint Joseph, who, resembling the tender heart of Mary, felt the sorrows of the Most Holy Mother, tell me, what did you feel hearing the terrible prophecy of Simeon? Yet with what generosity, with what silence and unalterable resignation did you accept from the hands of God even the sword of sorrow for our good? How can I show you my thanks? O oh, my sweetest saint, I want to imitate your generosity. And to any painful news, I will say with you, God's will be done. That was Blessed Bartolo Longo talking about St. Joseph. So were it possible for St. Joseph to prevent his wife and son from suffering, he would have done everything in his power to protect them. A good and loving husband is willing to stand in front of his wife and have the sword pierce his heart instead of hers. Yet, according to the plan of God, St. Jo Joseph knew that he had to allow his wife's heart and soul to be pierced. Such suffering was required so that a new humanity could be born. His immaculate bride had not suffered the pangs of birth at the manger in Bethlehem because she was free from all stain of original sin and exempt from all its penalties. But Simeon's prophecy had foretold that a day would come when St. Joseph's wife would endure a torturous type of birth pang 
spiritual birth pangs. See, you see, St. Joseph's wife is the new Eve. And God was going to use her heart as a spiritual tomb, a spiritual womb. She would have to undergo spiritual birth pangs in order for humanity to be reborn in Christ. That's a lot to take in. So the new Eve had had an immaculate heart, which was like a spiritual womb. And she would go undergo the birth pangs of giving birth to the new order of humanity in Christ. You know, Simeon had prophesied it. St. Joseph knew it had to happen. His role was to prepare his wife and son for the sacrifice. So no martyr's suffering has been greater than the suffering of St. Joseph. Simeon's prophecy had been addressed to Mary alone. St. Joseph knew why, and the knowledge caused him even greater suffering. St. Joseph understood that Simeon's prophecy meant that when the time came for Mary's heart to be pierced, she would be without St. Joseph. The time, place, and manner of the piercing were unknown to St. Joseph, but he understood that he would not be there with Mary. In light of Simeon's prophecy, he must have spent his marriage lovingly consoling Mary and preparing her for the hours when she would suffer unparalleled sorrow and agony, her spiritual birth pangs. St. Joseph's sweet consolations helped prepare Mary for the sacrifice of Calvary. He could not prevent her maternal suffering, but he could prepare her for it. His years of love and devotion were a consolation to Mary's immaculate heart. St. Joseph is the greatest consoler of the heart of Mary. Blessed Concepcion Cabrera da Armida had this to say, How beautiful and simple did you, St. Joseph, see this innocent dove, Mary, and how greatly you suffered at the vision of her martyrdom without you, the solitude of the wife whom you loved so well. Oh, what martyrdom racked your soul at the forevision of the passion and the seven swords which would pierce the immaculate heart of Mary. You dreamed of her alone, alone without Jesus, and this affliction embittered your happy life. The sword that was going to pierce Mary's heart on Calvary needed to pierce the heart of St. Joseph as well, but in a different way. He would not be at Calvary, but the sword needed to pierce his paternal heart, since it is fitting that the rebirth of mankind would involve both a mother and a father. Husbands do not experience labor pangs as a woman does, but every husband is called to journey with his wife throughout the pregnancy and prepare her for delivery. As a good husband, St. Joseph would see to it that his wife was well prepared for her suffering. He spent decades preparing her for the painful delivery on Calvary. At Calvary, Mary must have experienced great consolation and strength as she remembered all that her husband had done for her and their son across the years. The consolation offered by John the Apostle, Mary Magdalene, and several others paled in comparison to the consolation offered to Mary by the man who was not even there. God spared St. Joseph the tortures of Calvary, but Mary brought him there in her heart. Her crucified son, before whom she stood, was also Joseph's son. Mary remembered her husband, 
and stood strong in faith, hope, and love. Uh, Father Don Calloway goes on to imagine, there were many memories of St. Joseph that would have flooded Mary's heart at Calvary. They were all a source of consolation and strength for Mary. The memory of St. Joseph's own strength and suffering would have increased Mary's determination to witness and suffer with her crucified son. She would have remembered the slaughter of the innocents and how much that had wounded her husband's heart. Remember, when the angel came to St. Joseph and instructed him to take the child and his mother to Egypt, St. Joseph was not told that children would be slaughtered and mothers would witness the death of their children. Mary would have remembered how bitterly St. Joseph had wept over the loss of so many precious children. It was a source of tremendous suffering to St. Joseph, but he remained firm in his resolution to do the will of God. At the foot of the cross, Mary did likewise. Blessed Bartolo Longo uh, continues, Joseph and Mary had not yet crossed the mountains that separated them from the desert when suddenly the painful moans echoing through hills reached their ears. These heart-rending cries, which were the cries of the mothers of innocent saints, slaughtered on the breasts and arms of their mothers, filled the hearts of Joseph and Mary with tremendous sadness. At the foot of the cross, Mary remembered how St. Joseph, as the head of the family, had taken her and Jesus to Egypt, and how strong St. Joseph had been in protecting and caring for their family. Walking to Egypt could not have been a safe or comfortable journey for the Holy Family. Egypt was a very dangerous place, notorious for bandits, thieves, and pagan practices. St. Joseph's years of living there must have been very difficult. St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Bonaventure believe that the Holy Family was in exile in Egypt for almost seven years. These years would have been filled with much suffering for St. Joseph. Mary remembered these years and how strong St. Joseph had been for love of God and their family. At Calvary, Mary remembered all the suffering St. Joseph had endured during their time in Egypt. According to the mystical revelations of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, the hardships of the Holy Family in Egypt were especially felt by St. Joseph because he was the loving head of the family. The responsibility of taking care of the family was primarily St. Joseph's. Oftentimes, unable to acquire sufficient work, food, clean water, or proper housing, the man of the house suffered greatly because he was unable to provide everything that was needed by his family. How many husbands today feel this pain? And wives ought to be very sensitive to this fact. Sometimes uh, men will act out um, in anger or in abuse even because secretly they are so upset with themselves because they can't provide. It's such a, um, a, a dynamic uh, ingrained in them to want to provide for their families. And when this is not possible or when their um, faults and feelings um, make it impossible, they can turn and lash out and turn against uh, the people they love. So uh, this is a great suffering for men. St. Francis de Sales writes about this. In Egypt, St. Joseph was in a land which was not only foreign, but also hostile to Israelites. The Egyptians resented that the Israelites had escaped from their tyranny and also that they had been the cause 
of many of their ancestors being drowned in the Red Sea. Hmm. That's a very interesting uh, meditation. Well, um, Father Don Calloway continues, in the accounts of the mystical visions of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, we are told that in Egypt, the Holy Family underwent the frightful experience of being surrounded by robbers with bad intentions. On Calvary, Mary remembered how strong her husband had been and how he was willing to die out of love for his family. In this memory, she would have found the strength to be a co-victim with Jesus. Mary would have also recalled the memory of the time she and her husband had lost Jesus for three days. Losing a child is the worst nightmare a parent could ever face. For three days, the hearts of Mary and Joseph were filled with anxiety and worry. Yet she remembered that after three days of tremendous sorrow and suffering, she and her husband found Jesus in the temple. Finding him, their hearts were filled with inexpressible joy. In some way, losing Jesus for those three days was a preparation for Calvary. Remembering this event, Mary once again would have found strength and consolation in her sweet Saint Joseph. And of course we know that Jesus um, died and on the third day, after the third day of great uh, sorrow, he rose again and brought inexpressible joy to Mary. At Calvary, the memory of all St. Joseph had done for his wife and son must have been a consolation to Jesus as well. Through the role model Joseph provided for him of long and faithful suffering, Jesus was better able to offer his own sacrifice on Calvary. Our Lord knew well that his father had saved him from Herod, carried tremendous burdens of love in his heart, consoled his mother, and helped Mary prepare for her suffering with Jesus. God did not require that St. Joseph be physically present at the sacrifice at Calvary, but Jesus knew that he would never have made it to Calvary without him. God made the sacrifice of Calvary dependent upon the fatherly sacrifices that St. Joseph had offered during the hidden years of the Holy Family. The fruit of St. Joseph's paternal love and suffering made him the spiritual father of the new covenant family. Similar to Mary, Jesus too would have had St. Joseph on his mind and in his heart at Calvary. Well, I'll stop there uh, in reading this excerpt from the Savior of the Savior. That's the title of Wonder Six in uh, the book Consecration to St. Joseph, The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father by Father Donald H. Calloway. And uh, so I hope you've enjoyed this little retreat, uh, a mini retreat focused on St. Joseph, who is the foster father of Jesus Christ and our own foster father. And I'd like to invite you to consider too that the idea of um, fostering, of adoption, is the foundation of salvation because we are called to be adopted into the family of the Holy Trinity, into Jesus's family. And that is why uh, the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, icon of the eternal Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, ought to be um, our family too because we are called to be adopted brothers and sisters with Christ. 
and Christ is Son of the Eternal Father, so we're adopted into the life of the um, Eternal Trinity. But we're also called into this holy family of Joseph and Mary and Jesus. If we are brothers and sisters with Christ, then Mary truly is our mother, and Joseph truly is our father in a spiritual sense. And both Mary and Joseph can help us to know Christ better, to love him more, and to share him with the world as they did. And so I invite you to consider um, ways that you can do that this uh, week, um, to invite Joseph to be your spiritual father, and Mother, and Mary, Mother Mary to, of course, be your spiritual mother, and ask them to show you the way, the way that is Jesus Christ, the way of truth, the way of life, and how we can uh, know and love and serve God more and more uh, this week. And so that's all for today. God bless you and have a beautiful and blessed day. Bye now. Thank you.